Josh and the people of Harvest. Thank you for the work that they're doing. Thank you for their service. And may you just pour your spirit out upon him, his wife, his family, and uh, their entire congregation. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen. How many of you in here would say that you're interested, fascinated, like to think about the stars, the planets, the heavens, the galaxies? Anybody in here like like that kind of stuff? Okay, there's a few of you. All right. There's a fascination because we have this thing called gravity here on Earth that we're kind of stuck close to the planet, right? Which gravity is a good thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. But there's this fascination about what is beyond us, what is, what, is, what is further away, and we learn more and more that there's more and more that's further away, and yet we're right here on planet Earth. One of the ways that when I was a kid that I was fascinated with planets and rockets and trying to think— to, to, to think of things like that, was I used to build with my cousin model rockets. Um, there's a picture of a kid. Now, we used to, to do that. Anybody else in here do, do that ever did? Okay, I see a few of you. Yeah, it was a little nerdy, but it was a really cool thing to do. And we would paint them and glue them and put engines in the bottom of them. And then like this kid, you, were, you would stand back and then you would press this little button and it would go, and it would shoot way up in the sky. Uh, and and we would love that. Actually, my cousin had one that had this little tube in it that was clear, and we used to put insects in it and baby frogs in it, just like a science experiment. You know, NASA did, did it, so we thought, well, I'm sure this baby frog would like to go 3,000 feet in the air. I mean, I'm sure he, he would. And then the parachute would come out, and it would come back down, and we would hope that it wouldn't land in one of Mrs. Miller's trees, and we would run all over the neighborhood just trying to find our rocket as it came back down. But because we had this fascination with planets and stars and what was beyond. Now, there's another way. I, I just learned this week, there's two guys named Chris Rose and Alex Baker that they founded a company called Sent Into Space. And they basically sell kits that if you want to send something into space or at like the very edge of our atmosphere, they will sell you a kit with everything you need and all the instructions for as little as $300, which is pretty cool to think that we live in a day and time where for $300 you could actually send something up into space. But for a little bit more money, you can hook a, a, a cell phone or a camcorder up to it. And they basically package these things and will mail them right from their website, right to your door with all of these things that you can do to send. Uh, if you look on their website, they have these crazy images in space. But again, it's this fascination with what is beyond. Now, if you really w- want to Uh, have an experience, and you're not an astronaut, Virgin Galactic now is planning here in the upcoming years to allow you to ride on one of their plane rocket jet thingies that they have right there, and for $250,000, you can now buy a ticket that you have to pay in full, and you don't have a date as to when you're actually going to go, but so far, over 600 people have paid that much money to be the first ones to actually go into space. Now, they haven't quite built this thing yet, and they haven't tested it, and they're not sure if it works, but still over 600 people are waiting in line because we're all fascinated with what's beyond Earth, right? What, what we see and we look up. Well, the writer of Psalm 19 loved space, and he loved stars, and he loved planets, and he loved galaxies, 
And I want to draw your attention to what he reveals to us in Psalm 19, verse 1. This is what we read. The heavens, so the stars, the planets, the galaxies, and all that, proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. In other words, when we look at the planets and the stars and the meteors sitting out in space, they're saying God is the one who created all of these incredible things that you can see and so many things that you cannot see. And there's such a very small part of what we can see of God's craftsmanship that's, that's way, way out there that we can't even see with the naked eye. And when you look up in the sky at night, it's like this giant billboard proclaiming God's craftsmanship and who he is, and yet you and I can see just like a small smidgen corner of this whole billboard that God has created. Verse 2 of Psalm 19. Day after day they continue to speak, talking about the stars, the planets, and all of those things. And night after night they make him known. So the stars and the planets are saying, the psalm writer is saying, is saying God created all of this. He made the stars, the heavens, the planets, the solar system, the universe, all of these things. And yet as smart as we are as humans, we don't really know how big the universe is. We, we have no idea. We refer to the universe as the known universe, meaning the part that we have found so far. And every time we build a bigger telescope, we find a little bit more of the universe, things that we haven't seen before. And, and we get more complex, and we realize that there's things out there that we, we didn't even understand. And it has to crack up God, I think, when we build a bigger telescope and we find out a little more and we're amazed and God is like, you know, you still haven't even scratched the surface of what is out there. And you're on this planet and you build a little bit bigger telescope and you can go another hundred light years and another thousand light years and you're just, and it just blows our mind as to what is out there. Now, a lot of scientists are constantly looking for other life forms in the universe because one of the things that they think is why is the universe so big if the earth is so small and certainly there there should be in their in their thinking that there should be other life because it's so big and yet if you think of it this way what's the primary purpose of the universe if you if you listen to the psalm writer and see that the primary purpose of the universe is to show the splendor and the glory of god and the majesty and the power of god then all of a sudden the universe makes sense why it's so big. And in fact, it, it, it feels like it's the right size because it's the God who created it and made all of those things. So the first thing that I want you to see today is that God is big, okay? Now maybe you think, well, Dan, duh. I mean, I, I know God is big. But, but God is way bigger than you and I often think that he is. And people say, you know, I would have liked to have been present when God created the earth, when he created the universe, when he created the galaxies. And I say back to you, I don't think you would have wanted to be there when he did that, okay? Because if you think about it for a second, you could have said, you know, I wanted to be there when God said, let there be light. But when God said, let there be light, bam, light came flying out of his mouth at 186,000 miles per second. And I'm not sure that you and I would have wanted to be around when the light came flying out of his mouth at 186,000 miles per second. Because you say 186,000 miles per second, that's fast, Dan. I mean, that's, that's faster than people drive on Highway 37 between Bloomington and Indy, isn't it? I mean, people drive fast there, but 
That's a little faster than that. That's faster than Tony Kanaan drove around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this past year when he won the Indianapolis 500. Yes, that's faster than that because the speed of light is fast. And when God created the earth and the heavens, he came out of his mouth and he created it. A beam of light that circled the earth seven times in one second. In Psalm 33, verse 6, we read, The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. And you and I live in this little neighborhood that we call the Milky Way Galaxy. All right, you thought you lived in Bloomington or Bedford or Martinsville or Ellisville, or you thought you lived in McNutt Dorm, but you really, you don't live there. You live in the Milky Way Galaxy. That's where you live. And the universe is so big that we use a term called a light year to measure it. All right, that's what we, we measure in the universe. And so our galaxy I- is that. And so that's not a light year. That's, that's Buzz Lightyear. Okay, that's not the same as a light year. Okay, this is what, next slide, this is what a light year is. Okay, a light year is 186,000 miles per second for 365 days, and that equals 5.88 trillion miles. Okay, that's a light year. That is what we have to use to measure things in the universe because a ruler's not going to do you a lot of good. If you go to Menards, you buy a big, long tape measure, that's not going to do you a lot of good. Miles don't really do a lot of good. You have to use a light year to even measure how big and how vast the universe is. And when you look up in the sky, you are only seeing such a small part of that universe. And we have to have a ruler that's 5.88 trillion miles long. And in our neighborhood, in the Milky Way galaxy, there, it consists of billions of stars. Not hundreds, not tens, not thousands or millions, but billions. And scientists say that there are other galaxies that we don't even know or that we have found that are much bigger than the Milky Way. And if we were to count the stars in our galaxy, in the Milky Way galaxy, at one star per second, it would take you 2,500 years to count all the stars that are in the Milky Way galaxy. So it makes sense when we read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 25, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. So you and I have trouble right-sizing God because we have trouble thinking of him as being so big, so big that we can't quite even wrap our arms around, so big that we can't find the end of the universe, so big that we can't even see the end of our own galaxy. But the heavens are telling us something, that God is really big. And the second thing that I want you to see today, the heavens are telling us that you and I are really, really, really small. All right, we, we are pretty small. Here's a picture of the Milky Way galaxy up here on the screen, all right? It's 100,000 light years across. So if you wanted to visit your friends on the other side of the galaxy, you would need to travel at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, and it would only take you 36.5 billion or million days, and then boom, you're there. You're on the other side of our galaxy. So you look at that galaxy, the Milky Way, and you think, oh, well, that's pretty cool, and we must be right there in the center of the galaxy. You know, because and then everything kind of revolves around us. But but that is not true. Okay, 
Go to the next slide, Paul. It shows this. Okay, there's a farther picture away. Okay, there, there's the sun right there by that arrow, all right, which you probably can't see because it's too small. So in our own galaxy, we don't even live in the center of our galaxy. We live out kind of outside and kind of like, you know, just out in the rural part of our galaxy. That's where you and I live. We kind of live out there a little bit, not even in the middle. We're not even in the center of our own galaxy. And you look at there and you're like, I, I, don't, I don't really see me. I mean, I don't see where I'm at. I don't see Bloomington or even the United States. Because you know what? You're pretty small, all right? We're pretty small. We're, we're, not, very, we're not very big at all. Um, and somewhere in that galaxy is a star, and it's not the biggest and the most powerful star, but in that star, it is the sun. And rotating around that are some uh, balls, and one of those is the planet Earth. And um, when I w- was going to school, there were nine planets, but it seems like every couple of years they modify that and add some and then take some away and then argue about this one is a planet, that one's not a planet. So I can't keep track. I don't know how many planets there are. Uh, I'm not sure what the current status of planets are, but there were nine when I was in grade school. Anyway, that, that's what I learned. But that's you and me right there. We're, we're on planet Earth. And uh, even there, you can kind of, you know, you think, like, I'm not even sure what continent I'm looking at there exactly. It's still pretty far away. And when you step back and you look at that, you get this feeling like, we're not very big. I mean, we, we are pretty far away and in this huge, vast galaxy. In fact, perhaps the evil one tricks us into thinking sometimes that we're quite a bit bigger than we really actually are. I love this quote from Neil Armstrong, who was the first man to walk on the moon. This is what he writes. I remember on the way home on Apollo 11, it suddenly struck me that tiny pea, pretty and blue was the earth. And I put my thumb up and shut one eye and my thumb blotted out planet earth, but I didn't feel like a giant. I felt very, very small. And I think the psalmist got it right when he said in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set into place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you that you care for him. And you may think of that, well, Dan, you're making me feel kind of small, okay? I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm making you understand that you are small, okay? All of us are small. God is really, really big, and we are really, really small. But the third truth that I want you to grasp today is that even though God is big, and even though you and I are small, you are treasured by God. You, small you, living in a galaxy that we can put on the screen and you can't even see the sun. Like, you're not even as big as a pixel up there. You're you're like a millionth of a pixel is the size of, of you and me. But you are still significant to God. And just like God could name, tell every person's name in here, that he would know how many hairs you have on your head. And like, for me, that wouldn't be hard for God. But for some of you, that would be a little harder, okay? God could tell us our age. He knows the day that we're born. He, he knows the day that we're going to take our last breath. God would know all those things, and we are significant to God. We are not insignificant at all, but we are very significant. So I want to invite you now to go on a journey, and we're just going to look at some objects out in space, and we're just going to under, understand and try to grasp this. We're going to go on a journey outward 
And we're going to go 93 million miles from planet Earth, and there is the sun. And that's what the sun looks like. Now, we love to, to, to sit out in the sun. We love to get a suntan. We love to go to the beach in Florida. But you should be very glad that you're 93 million miles from the sun, okay? Because you don't want to get much closer than that, okay? You, you, you know, when you go to Denver, I guess you'd be like, uh, I can't do the math, 93. To something, something. You, you're, you're actually a mile closer when you're in Denver, okay? But um, w- the, the sun is like got these nuclear bombs going off on the, the edge of it on the, the planet at all times, all right? It's just this crazy thing. So as light comes out of the mouth of God, he creates this thing called the sun, and the sun has light that takes eight minutes for the light to leave the sun and come and uh, radiate and give you a suntan. takes eight minutes for the light to get here. But God is intense, and he's full of splendor. And when he opened up his mouth, things like the sun came out of it when he created it. And we have to remember that that is the God that we are worshiping. And the sun is 100 times the diameter of the planet Earth. It's that big. And scientists tell us that It would take the gross national product of the United States for seven years for our local power company to run the sun for one second. Okay, that's how much it would take. So that would be a huge bill at the end of the month, okay, if you got that in the mail and you were trying to figure out. You think your uh, heating and electric bill is high? That would be really, really high. All right? And the star is just one of the billions of um, stars stars that are out there and you can see planet earth compared to the sun right there all right let's go out a little further we're now going to go eight thousand light years out when we go eight thousand light years you see this thing which is called the hourglass nebula and i think god put that one there just for fun okay when they built the hubble telescope and they turned around and saw that i'm thinking they're thinking okay ernie did you clean the lens on that thing is like because there's like an eyeball looking at me on there or i don't know what we have we got dust particles on there or something but that is called the hourglass nebula and it's emitting tons of gases and it's cooling and it's creating this awesome star that we see and your mom always told you that there was like people watching you like god was watching you from above and she had no idea that there was like this giant eyeball out in space called the hourglass nebula that's eight thousand light years from here all right let's go 28 million light years out you see this thing called the Sombrero Galaxy, which looks like something out of uh, Star Wars, right? I mean, this is a real thing. You can look it up on Google. It's, uh, it's all there. The Sombrero Galaxy, it's 50,000 light years wide, and it's trillions of miles thick. It doesn't look very thick. It looks like kind of like a, a thin crust pizza, but uh, that's actually trillions of miles thick. So why is something that cool out there? I mean, you kind of ask yourself, why is something that cool out there? And it's just hanging out in the universe and showing the majesty and the splendor of God just to show how amazing our God is. Let's go 31 million miles light years out. And uh, 31 million mile, 31 million light years, which is a little further than when your family went on a Florida vacation and you were in the car and it felt like it was 31 million light years away because you asked your dad every 30 seconds if we were there yet. Okay, but this is a little farther than that. And this thing is called the Whirlpool Galaxy, all right? And it's got this design. Scientists think there's 500 billion stars that make it up. And um, for years, science 
thought that, that maybe this other thing out here to the right, it was like getting sucked in. Uh, but they've come to find out that that's not the case. That's another galaxy that's out there. And that galaxy is called NGC 5195. So I guess they ran out of catchy names. So they just called it that. And these two galaxies aren't even remotely close together. But let's go out even further. One more to the Antenna galaxies, also known as NGC 4048. And uh, to me, that kind of looks like, okay, like a giant jumbo grilled shrimp that fell on the ground and like some people like walked on it and you look down on the ground, you're like, oh, there's a giant grilled shrimp that somebody stepped on. You picked it up and you're like, no, that's called the Antenna Galaxy, NGC 4048, okay? That's, but these are two uh, colliding galaxies is what science tells us. And um, in fact, they tell us it's a preview of maybe in millions of years from now, if the Milky Way galaxy collides into the neighboring and Andromeda galaxy, which would happen in several billion years, it may look kind of like this. I don't plan on being around several uh, billion years, but anyway, if you still are, um, it may look something like that. Now, I want to take you out to another image, all right, and we're going to go way, 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 way out on this one. Okay, we're going to go really far out, something else that just blows our mind. And so I want to prepare you for it, and we'll just put it up on the screen and just let you see it, okay? Everything that we've looked at this morning was created by Jesus a letter that was written to the Christians living in Colossae. In Colossae, it reads, Though through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth, he made these things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities. In the seen world, everything was created through him and for him. And it's interesting that the maker of the universe w would, would end up hanging on a cross that he created himself. In Philippians chapter 2, we read, Though he was God, he did not think equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died, on a, died a criminal's death on a cross. And that's the Jesus that we worship today, a God that is full of power, but is also full of grace and mercy. We read in Psalm 103, He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal with us harshly as we deserve. Now that's really good news for you and I. Because we don't get what we deserve, it tells us. what We don't really get from God what we have earned. But listen to what we do get in Psalm 103. For His unfailing love towards us, towards those who fear him, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Now, I don't know why you came to church today. Maybe uh, you always come. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you, you've come in today, and maybe there's struggles in your life. Maybe there's things that are, that are going on. Maybe there's hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Um, I don't know what they are. Like, I don't maybe know all, all of your, your story. I know some of you better than others. But I do know that you have those things, and I have those things, and the person sitting next to us has those things in our lives. And way before you and I made a mess out of our lives, God the Father made a mess 
out of his life by sending his son Jesus to take the punishment for our mistakes. Now, listen to this, what I'm going to say next. Okay, long before you decided what you were going to do with God, God decided what he was going to do with you. Okay? You got that? Long before you decided what you were going to do with God, God decided what he was going to do with you. And that was to give you what you don't deserve by offering you grace way bigger than what you could understand. Much more majestic than you can comprehend. And to give the gift of himself an invitation to know Jesus. Now, here's a question I want to put up there. I want you to ponder with me today. What's keeping you from experiencing Christ's grace? What is it for you that keeps you from fully experiencing the grace of Jesus? Let me offer you one thing. Maybe it's because you don't think God is big enough. Because you're like, well, I mean, I got things going on in my life, Dan. I mean, you don't know what happened on Monday. You don't understand my family situation. And, and I'm sure if I got you up here, you could tell us a story and we would all go, oh my gosh, that is horrible. But you know what? I do know this. I do know whatever your story is, as hard as it is, as much as there doesn't seem to be a way out, God is big enough. The same God who created this universe and built billions of light years and things that we still can't even see and discover the same God who created those things is the same God who is big enough to handle and face and walk with you every step of the way, no matter what you're going through. He's the same God, big enough to understand, big enough to care, big enough to handle. He's more than big enough if you will lean into him and experience his grace. Another reason that maybe you don't experience the uh, full grace of Christ is because you're not sure, you're living in denial that you're not that big. Because some of us think we are. We're like, well, I, I'm pretty self-sufficient. I mean, I mean, yeah, I need God, but you know what? I kind of have things under control. I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty savvy. You know, I can even like trade stocks and like, you know, figure out how to make money on that. I can run a business. I can uh, earn a PhD. I can, uh, I, I can do lots of cool things. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty smart. And, and we think like that. And when we do, we, we somehow think like that, that we are the center of the universe. There's this narcissistic thing about us that thinks that, that somehow, you know, we're pretty smart and God's pretty lucky to have us, you know, on his side. When in reality, we're so small in this vast, vast universe. And the grace of Christ is not for those who are self-sufficient. The grace of Christ is for those who realize, you know what? I'm pretty small and pretty insignificant, but I am significant to Jesus. And when I realize that I am insignificant in, in this whole world and creation, but I am significant to Jesus, then all of a sudden I can fully experience his grace. And I don't know what mountain you're facing today. It could be depression, it could be addiction, it could be bankruptcy, it could be loneliness, cancer, abuse, abandonment. I mean, we could just keep naming all kinds of bad things over and over and over. But there is nothing in the world that you can throw out that would remove you from Jesus having you in this universe and everything that you deal with in the palm of his hand. There's no, nothing, nothing is that big, nothing is that insurmountable. And to experience his grace is to realize that, you know what, I, I, I need to humbly admit that God is big, that I am small, but I am truly significant to the one who created the universe the one who's powerful enough and big enough and smart enough to build something so big and so complex 
and then love me enough to send his son to die on a cross. Today there's freedom in that grace. There's healing. There's starting over. There's this idea of realizing that no matter what it is that I face, God will meet me where I am. And his grace is astronomically large and way bigger than we could ever wrap our arms around. Let me pray for you. Okay, let's bow our heads. Before I say a prayer, I want to say this. If you're here today and um, some of the stuff we're talking about, about having a relationship with Jesus is something that um, you're not sure about or um, you're not sure if you've ever really made that decision or maybe you know you haven't or you're not really sure but you'd like to talk to somebody, I I want you to know that um, I'd love for you to come up after the service today and uh, just say, hey, Dan, I just want to talk about some of these things that you said, and and I'd love to sit down with coffee and and explain more in detail about how all of this makes sense in your life and um, how if you've never made a decision to follow Christ, I would love to to just answer your questions and... um, just help you um, in that process. So I want to offer that out. So let's pray together. Hey, God, uh, thank you for being a God that is big. And when we say big, we really don't even know what we're talking about because we really don't have words to describe the, the bigness. I mean, we, what we think is big is, um, is just a, a pebble, is just a piece of sand um, to you. But we can rest assured and there's freedom in knowing that you are a God that is that big. That, that is that complex and can handle all the things and all the requests and every person that has an issue, you can handle that all at the same time and nothing is too big for you. And we find, we find peace and freedom in knowing that you're a God that's like that. And Father, forgive us for the times when we think that we're pretty big, uh, when we real forget that we're pretty small. And um, help us to uh, be people that are humble and realize that uh, We are not self-sufficient, and we are really very blessed to live in the United States of America. We're really blessed, most of us in here, to have health. We're really blessed that all these things that we take for granted, but but really, really are just being provided and blessed by you. And um, Father, help us to uh, understand that we are significant to you, and to, um, to know that following you, that accepting the payment for our sins, and uh, surrendering our life to you and uh, starting a relationship with you is, is the path to being connected and experience a li- experiencing a life where we're alive, we're awake, we're free in the way that you created us to live. So if there's anybody in here that, um, that any of us can help in that process, I pray that today they would, they would uh, accept you or they would seek out help and I would love to, to help them on that path. Just thank you for the beauty that you created in the universe. Father, we don't fully even understand it, and uh, we only scratch the surface of what we understand and what we can see and what we um, um, know. But the psalm writer in verse 19 was right, and the heavens do declare your glory, and we are grateful for that. And we say this prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.
Dan shared a, a verse in his message, and uh, th the verse was that God, uh, that, that Jesus did not consider uh, clinging, clinging on to what was rightfully his and, and holding on to that. Um, that, that, that holding on to it was something that he didn't even consider. And not only did Jesus die, but that verse points out that he chose to die on a cross. And if you read about the crucifixion and that form of execution, what you know about that is it was one of the most severe forms of execution in Roman culture. It was a rather uh, painful and, and terrible way to die. And so Jesus not only subjected himself to coming into this world um, to a humble form of being a man, and not only did he subject himself to death, but he subjected himself to death in a manner that was reserved for the most severe criminal. Now think about that for a second. The, the most holy person to ever walk on this planet subjected himself to one of the most severe forms of capital punishment. He didn't hold on to that. He let that go. And I have to tell you, as I stand here, and as, as an American, I, I'm big on my rights. There are things that I feel are, are rightfully mine. They belong to me. Um, I, at times, I find sin that shows up in my life in that form, whether it's at work and I feel like something's rightfully mine, or I've been mistreated or wronged, or whether it's at home, in my relationship with my wife, and that I, I feel like maybe I'm not getting what, what I should. Um, I, I hold on to these things. I, I hold on to these, these rights, these things that I feel like are mine. But, but Jesus didn't do that. And the challenge for us, the challenge for you, the challenge for me, is to let go of those things. So what, what I'd like to do, let's just close our eyes. And I'd like to invite you to bow your head for a minute. We're, we're going to go into a time of communion. And communion uh, remembers that humiliation that Jesus went through, uh, but also the hope that that brought to us. And it, it symbolizes a time where he was able to humble himself. And something that was rightfully his, that the cross is the ultimate symbol of letting go of that thing that's maybe rightfully ours. And maybe for you, someone has hurt you in the past, and you hold on to anger, and you hold on to bitterness. And the cross, this morning, when you go up, it's an invitation to let that go. Uh, maybe you're being mistreated at work, or, or something's not fair. The cross is an invitation to let that go, even though maybe you have a right to feel that way. Maybe there's a relationship that comes to mind for you, a relationship where, where you've been hurt, where you've been wrong. It's an invitation to let that go. So just take a few seconds right now. And, and the question that I have for you as you come up this morning, there'll be people up here with the bread. You can tear a piece off, dip it in the cup, and, and take of that anytime. But as you take of that, I, I want you to think of, of something. What is it that you're clinging to? I just invite you to think about that right now. What is it you're clinging to? And as you partake, be able to let that go.
Father God, we thank you um, that you did not consider holding on to what was rightfully yours, even though you had every right to. How much greater is your right um, to all the things of this universe? And God, whenever we see all the things that Dan showed, all the things that he talked about, the stars, the sun, and the moon, the one who set that in place subjected themselves to not only uh, coming into uh, a small, infinite, or small, finite point uh, of his own creation, but God, uh, you subjected yourself to even humiliation. We thank you for the hope that we have in the cross and thank you for your son who covers over our sin, who gives us hope and we walk out of, of this place reminded that we're restored. Help us to let go in your son's name, amen.
All right, I just want to say uh, thank you, everyone, for coming today. Um, and uh, let me just close us in prayer and then uh, talk about a few other things real quick. Um, God, we just thank you um, for the, rem the reminder today, um, God, that you are huge. 